our plans. Actually, we're a church that would be generous in the community, and it was brilliant. We didn't really do. I mean, lots of us went there, and lots, lots of serving. So Alex, which you might hear from later, he's, he came for ten minutes, and he stayed for like six hours, I think. So um, many of us just gave lots of our time, and uh, and it was brilliant that the church is doing good in the community, which. Um, it's our own fault, really, because that's what we want to do. We, we said we want to be a church in the community. It's the, those kind of things which are amazing, 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 amazing things. We are we're doing the second part of last week's talk that Viv, uh, if you were here last week, did a fantastic job at, at talking about how to, how to think about uh, and building a new way of thinking. And uh, if you haven't listened to that... Uh, it's on iTunes, or you can go onto our website and listen to stream the, uh, the recording. Somehow we managed to, to, to get it on iTunes. And Viv talked about these two things. How to uh, build in a new way of thinking about these two things. We need to free our mind, and we need to feed our mind. And to free our mind from destructive thinking, to negative thinking, lies, untruths. Uh, and then she talks about how to then feed your mind with the truth of God. And uh, so, yeah, have a, have a listen to that. Today, uh, we're going to look at the second part of that, and we're going to talk about how to focus our minds. So, two things to focus on. Last, uh, last week, she did the arm folding exercise. For those of you here, so just fold your arms where you are. And for some of us, we do... We've been folding our arms this way for decades. This is, this is what we do. We always fold our arms like this. And then Viv got us to fold them the other way round. So just do that. Try and fold them the other way round. And how does that feel? Weird. A bit weird. A bit weird. A bit weird. Tell me what else. How does it feel? Comfortable. Normal. Some of us are normal. What do we automatically want to do, though? Change it. Oh, that's better, yeah. We want to change it back, don't we? And we talked about, in our thinking, we have these habits of things that we've always done. We've always thought this way. Steve, you, I've always thought like this. I can't, I can't change that. Any habit, you can make and break a habit if you did intentionally thinking for about 30 days, roughly about 30 days. A way to break a habit or to make a new habit is to intentionally start something new or, or stop doing something intentionally. So it is possible. If every time you thought about folding your arms, over the next 30 days you did it the other way, that would suddenly become normal. But our thinking, what Viv was talking about last week, that the battle is in our thinking. The battle is in our mind. And some of us, we've, and, and some of us, we've got into habits of negative thinking or habits of destructive um, thoughts that we say to ourselves. And so it was, it was amazing. So free your mind, feed your mind. Today we're going to talk about focusing your mind, and we're going to look at Philippians 3. Uh, the words are going to come on the screen, and somehow I'm going to read them as well. So, Philippians 3. Okay, we're gonna, uh, I thought it would be quite fun to read the whole of the book, no, the whole of the chapter, <laughs> and... Uh, and so we're just going to say, it's really good to, to read scripture out. <laughs> Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. 
and, it's, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I might consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own from, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. And it is by faith, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that to God, to God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my examples, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and I now say it again, even in tears, many live as enemies of, of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await this, a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. Amen. It's a fantastic uh, portion of scripture and we wanted to look at two things, how to focus your mind on this, uh, on this scripture. I feel like um, I'm going to talk. I'm going to say our generation, sort of loosely. <laughs> I feel like our generation, <laughs> my generation, our generation, um, is actually so unaware of Jesus, and especially the love of Jesus, the love of God. As we talk to people who have got no experience of of church or of faith in God, um, often they say, "Well, who is he? Is he just some fictional character? I thought he was a story." I didn't realise he was actually a real person. And I didn't realise that he died. What, what was that about? What's the cross about? I know we go to Easter, we have all these Easter egg hunts, but I didn't realise he actually died and then he rose again. One of the things that 
we do when we pray for people in the streets is we may never see anyone uh, again as they pass by. One of, our, our, my, one of my greatest goals is to just to tell people how much God loves them. If they only hear one thing from us is that, that God loves them. Uh, and to, to talk to them about Jesus, to talk to them about who he is, the miraculous life, death and resurrection that he brought. And um, it's one of our, and as, as followers of Jesus and as Christians, I, I believe one of our missions, one of our, our greatest missions in life is to be treasure hunters for Jesus. Is to be discoverers of Jesus. Uh, to look at scripture from, from the first page to the last page and see Jesus flowing through like this golden thread in all of scripture. Most of us, if we've been around the block a few times, most of us have made things pretty complicated. So we, we think about, you know, women in leadership, or what about the LGBT community? What about, how do we make church relevant for this young generation? And we make, I, I make things really complicated. But actually, the, actually, it's all about Jesus. It's all about finding Jesus. And so in verse 7 it says, but what things were gained to me that I have counted lost for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord. We've said it before and we'll, we'll say it again and again and again. We, we believe that Jesus is perfect theology. If you want to know what God looks like, you just look at Jesus. If you want to know how God treats you, look at the way Jesus treated people. If you want to know how, how, how God feels about women, uh, have, look at how he treats women. And my sort of challenge to you guys is to become treasure hunters of Jesus. You could spend the rest of your life just studying Jesus. His deity, the cross, Jesus' grace. You could spend a few months just on Jesus' grace. The resurrection, you could... Look at Jesus, how he loves people, uh, his heavenly appearance. Throughout scripture, there are countless moments where Jesus is revealed in his heavenly body. You could spend, you could spend like six months just looking at those scriptures and thinking and studying about what, what was Jesus like now? What's his body like now? You could talk about the work of Christ, what he did on earth. You could talk about the power that Jesus displayed. The, the miracles that Jesus did while he was on earth, the healings. Um, you could, we could do a study. I know we don't really talk about his birth outside of Christmas, but you could do a, a whole thing about the birth of Jesus uh, from the, the prophecies from before Jesus was born and his birth, his death, his resurrection. I could go on. I could go on and on and on and on. Our, our chief goal when people become followers of Jesus. It's just to introduce them to, to this man, this God-man Jesus. And I, I think becoming, becoming a follower of Jesus or becoming a recommitted follower of Jesus is a bit like entering in the TARDIS from Doctor Who. We don't really know quite what's in there. We just think it's just this small box. But as we step in, it's this, this discovery of so much more. It's like entering a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Larry King, uh, on Larry King Live, the famous American interviewer, 
did a story about one man in history he wanted to interview. And what was the one question he would ask that person? And as a king, he picked Jesus Christ. And he said he wanted to ask him this. Are you indeed virgin born? King said. Larry King said. And he said, he goes on and he says, the answer to that question would explain history to me. And a, a, a fantastic theologian called Hans von Balthasar, we'll just call him Brother Hans, um, he says, anyone, I loved, I, I actually love this paragraph, anyone contemplating the life of Jesus needs to be newly and more deeply aware that every day something scandalous has occurred. That God, in his absolute being, has resolved to manifest himself in a human body. It's scandalous. That man must be scandalised by this. He must feel his mind reeling, the very ground beneath his feet. He must at least experience, and this is the note, the ecstasy of non-comprehension which affected Jesus' Jesus' contemporaries. It's that ecstasy of non-comprehension. And so what Brother Hans is talking about is as Jesus moved around the earth, as Jesus moved around when he was uh, in his ministry, his disciples didn't quite get what was going on. They were confused. They were perplexed. There were stories about when Jesus healed people, they would say, isn't he a a Nazarene? I thought he was just a man. How come he's performing this, this miracle? And for us as followers of Jesus, we must become, I love this, we must become scandalised. I love this song, the, the Scandal of Grace. It's one of my favourite songs at the moment. And it's, this, it's a scandal that God himself would become a human being. And that all of the things that we've done wrong, all the things that we've ever done in the, wrong in the past, all the things that other people have done to us in the past, all of our regrets, all the things that we, we stand here today and go... Yeah, I don't think I should have done that. Um, that Jesus, that he's done that. He's paid the price so that we can today live free and whole and normal Christians. One of my favourite quotes about Jesus comes from the mili- a military general. And uh, he was a, poli- a, a political leader, military leader, Napoleon Bonaparte. And I'm just going to read you this, this quote. And he says, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is not a man. Superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is, a, there is between Christianity and whatever religions the distance of infinity. Everything about Christ astounds me. His spirit overawes me and his will confounds me. Between him and whatever else in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He is truly a being by himself. His ideas, his sentiments, the truth which he announces, his manner of convincing are not explained either by human organisation or by the nature of things. And this is what he says, the nearer I approach the more carefully I examine. Everything is above me. Everything remains grand, of grandeur which overpowers. His religion is a revelation from intelligence, which is certainly not that of a man. There is there a profound originality which has created a series of words and maxims before unknown. And he goes on and he goes on and he goes on. 
It's fantastic. So all these people who are claiming to, to talk about Jesus, the number one, one thing that we do to have a renewed mind is to focus on Jesus, is to be thinking, and I'm kind of urging you, and I hope you can hear me, urging you, and willing you, become treasure hunters of Jesus. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the peoples, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. And as believers, we're called in to join into this mystery. We've talked, we've talked a bit the last few weeks about this mystery that God calls us into discovering. And in Proverbs 25 too, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. So God, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out the matter is the glory of kings. Do so you think about it? Why did Jesus teach in parables? It was new. No, no one really taught in parables. And I, I want to propose, I think he purposely hid truth from his disciples and from us through these stories, through these parables. Um, for those who see it just as a story, it just stays as a story. But for those of us who are hungry, uh, we get it. And those, those, those people that don't, aren't hungry for, for more, they don't get it. And I think that God hides things. He's like this great, he hides things from us. Uh, and as truth is revealed to you as you seek it out, and this is what it says, it's the glory of God to conceal it. It's a glory. So it's almost like he hides things. He hides stuff. It's kind of puts things in place. He hides things under things for us to search, for us to find. I remember when our, when our kids were younger, um, we used to do Easter Haven treasure hunts. Um, some of us done it. Aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents. We'd, we'd do these Easter egg hunts and we'd hide things for them. Um, so when you hide an Easter egg for a two-year-old, you place it just at the corner of the coffee table, just to make it sort of easy for them to find. And the whole pleasure for us as parents or aunts and uncles, grandparents, is, is in the child discovering that Easter egg. You know, we've just hidden it there, we haven't really hidden it, but it's what we're looking for is the joy in their face as they find it. Mommy, Daddy, I found the egg, I found the egg. Now, if I said to Sam, I don't know where he is, if I said to Sam, Sam, and he's, he's now, he's now 12, if I just put that Easter egg on that coffee table, and I said, Sam, go and find the Easter egg, he would look at me like I'm some kind of retailer. He would just look at me, he would look at me like, what, what are you doing? Like, why would I, it's there, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Um, but our pleasure is seeing their pleasure in discovering it. Or when we, you know, so Christmas, we wrap their presents, we wrap their presents up. We, we know exactly what they're going to get, but our joy is in the open, as they open the presents and they sit their faces, see, see what they've discovered. Now, what we don't do at Christmas is we don't give them all the presents and then walk out the room. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that as parents. We wouldn't just... You find it yourself. You find that egg. You find, you know, you open the treasure, uh, the Christmas present yourself. Um, our joy is in the joy as they discover what was hidden. So it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But then it goes on. 
And it says it's the glory of, to search out for matter is the glory of kings. For some reason, in God's creative order, God gets more glory when he's put something just around the corner. When he's just hidden something out, just out of reach, so we can't, can't get it. So that we have to search, we have to seek, and we have to sacrifice in order to find what God's hidden. Just around the corner, just around the corner, just go and search it out. It's a glory of God to conceal a matter. It's a glory of kings. I, I want to propose that something about the, um, your royalty, and Paul talks about this later, that we're, we're seated in heaven. Our royalty, our heavenly citizenship, never shines brighter when you live or you have this desire to live in the knowledge and the awareness. Listen to this bit. You have a legal right to the mysteries of God. You have, the, you have a legal right, according to scripture, to all the mysteries of God, to search out the mysteries of God, to go and find it, to seek those things that are hidden around the corner. You've got every legal right. And I believe, I want to propose that God gets glory as you seek it. And you discover your royalty. You discover who you are. Who's God made you to be? Um, I've come totally off-piste off again. Uh, so, free your mind. Number one way. Search out God. We're, we're back. We're back. Um, number two. And it's all about our future. So, focus on Jesus. And number two is focus on your future. And Paul says in verse 12, he said, I have not received all these things, yet I have not reached my goal. Christ Jesus took hold of me so that I could reach that goal. So I keep pushing forward to reach it. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I have taken hold of it yet. But there is one thing I do. I forget what's behind me and I push hard towards what's ahead of me. I push hard towards the goal to win the prize. God has appointed me to win it. The heavenly prize is Christ Jesus himself. And so as a church, we're wanting to discover what it's a normal Christian life, what that looks like in London. And sometimes Christian culture and London culture, they're the same. So like yesterday, a whole group of people who aren't, I've got no idea what they believe, if they believe in God. Some of them are agnostics, atheists, all kinds of people. But the, our culture of compassion just met with London culture. It just met. But then there's sometimes when everything's just upside down. I think Viv talks about it. Everything's upside down. So, number two, focusing on our future is, is the opposite of what the, the, the world teaches us. And I want to propose the world is making us look at our past, our past, our past, our past. Um, as Christians, we're called to look at our future, look at our eternal future. Because when you look at your past, you're going to get depressed. <laughs> I guarantee if you just focus on your past, you're going to get depressed. If you're driving in your car and you're focused on the rearview mirror, what's going to happen when you drive? Crash. You'll probably crash. If you focus on the rearview mirror too much, you'll crash. Definitely. That's, that's a definite. It's not a possibility. That's definite. Um, but for some of us, we get stuck because we're looking at our past. And as you look at that future, that moment when we meet Christ, that moment we, when we go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, when we go toe... <laughs> Let's do it this way. When we go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jesus, when we meet Jesus on that final day, 
when we go toe-to-toe and there's that tiny distance between us, me and Jesus, you and Jesus, it's, that's what we're called to focus on. And um, if I haven't done enough today, I'm going to try and do this visual illustration. Imagine this rope. Imagine this rope just goes on and on and on and on. Imagine it just goes on forever and ever and ever. Uh, It's wrapped around the world a whole load of times. It goes on indefinitely. Uh, And this rope just symbolises a. It's a timeline. This rope is a timeline, and it's your timeline. Your life according to scripture, is going to go on forever and ever. And it's going to go on forever and ever some way. Who can tell me what this red part is? Life on earth. Life on earth, yeah. This red part is your life on earth. So the Bible says we've got this few years, short few years on earth, and then we've got a million, billion, billion years somewhere else. Just goes on and on. Pretend it doesn't end round there. Just <laughs> pretend it goes, it goes on. What fascinates me about my own life is I think about this. I think about this red part more than this part here. And what also fascinates me is I'm, I don't know if anyone else does this, I'm focusing on this tiny part here. As we get to the end of my life, how can I be comfortable? How can I just get some security? How can I get a bit more money? Uh, This is the part I'm focusing on. And then we go, oh, if I just spend a bit less here, if I have this nice car here, and then here's going to be really comfortable. Here's going to be really comfortable. I don't know if you've, you've ever done this, but Paul talks about, it's this. This is what he's straining for. He talks about pressing on for the prize. This is the prize. He presses on. He doesn't press on for here. It's not about pressing on and pressing in for here and now. It's pressing on and pressing in for this, for the prize that comes at the end. Now, we've all brought, we've all brought things that we've regret, regretted, haven't we? Or, drunk th- or bought drink that we've later regretted, food... Clothes, experiences, oh, we, the list goes on and on and on. And um, um, I, I remember, oh, here we go. I remember when, as a teenager, I, I brought this bright blue jumper, this designer blue jumper, this bright blue trousers. They were all matching. <laughs> and we had a mufty day, like a, a school day, where you could wear what you wanted. And I, look, I remember looking in the mirror and going, and I turned up at school and I I had my hair in a curtain and I was was looking fine and I remember turning up and uh, as soon as I walked in all my mates started calling me a dusting man just because I was all in blue and so the whole day I was ridiculed and so I never wore any of those clothes again Um, but we've all done things we've all done things Think about what you're going to say at the end. Think about what you're going to say as you go toe-to-toe to Jesus. Uh, and I want to propose, we're either going to regret things that we've done, or we're going to get rewarded for things that we've done. Uh, so we can talk about material possession. What about our time? When I stand toe-to-toe to Jesus, I'm probably not going to say, 
Jesus. I'm so glad I've watched 7,000 movies. <laughs> I'm so glad I've watched Born Identity for the 10th time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've waited. I've thought that. It's not that. Um, and I've wasted my time. And we've all, we can probably all identify that. We've wasted our time. But Paul says, he's looking forward to this, he's looking forward to the end. <coughs> Paul says, I'm going to live my life on mission. Paul says, I'm going to forget what's behind me and I'm looking forward. Almost this picture, I'm straining for the prize, I'm pushing for the prize. And it's Jesus and I'm looking forward to the end. You know what's interesting to me when we think about when we think about looking forward to the end, and this is the upside down. What does every counsellor tell you to do? And I've done I've done months and months of counselling, years of counselling. Um, what does every counsellor want you to do? Look back. Said so Steve, tell me about tell me about your past. Mm. Yeah, I see. Can you just describe your early childhood experiences? Mm. What happened? What happened a few years ago? Uh-huh. Tell me about the womb. What was happening? What was happening during the womb? Or distressing experiences. And the world's say, I'm not, again, I'm not disencounting, but the world's making us look back. Saying, because of your past, this is your future. Now, it's true that certain things that I do is because of my past. But there's a whole lot more I do now, and we do now as believers, because of our future. Uh, and Paul goes on. He says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, these two things, just as I finish. We focus on Jesus. We, put, we search and we seek and we, dis- we discover us of Jesus. But also, we're thinking about our future. We're thinking about our eternal future. Because the Bible says we are seated already in heavenly places. We are positioned. The Bible calls us royalty. We're already seated there. And, uh, and so many of us, we, we act and we live as though we're seated on earth. We've become part of the culture of earth. But actually we're seated far above. <coughs> That's why Paul, Paul says, set your mind on where? Where do we set our minds? On things above, not on the earth. We set our minds on things above. Um, when I stand before Jesus, he's not going to say to me, good and faithful pastor, or good and faithful West Ham supporter, or good and faithful <laughs> teacher, or good and faithful evangelist, or good and faithful, wor- you know, Paul and Karen, as they stand before Jesus. He's not going to say, good and faithful worship leader. He's going to say, good and faithful servant. That's his, that's his view of us. And that's our call, to be just servants of Jesus. Because what matters when we face Jesus, we will either regret or we'll get rewarded. And so let, let's stand. And let's begin. Let's just ask Jesus to come and help us free our minds. We can ask the worship band to come up and lead us. Um, I, um, it's slightly, 
I'm a little bit nervous about this bit as well. In, in the Psalms, they talk, you read some of the Psalms, and in the middle of some of the Psalms, it will say, Selah. It will say, Selah. And it's a moment of pause, it's a moment of reflection, a moment to kind of ponder and to think. And um, just as Paul begins to play and worship, I, I want us to ask, ask us two questions. Um, what have you done in the last week that, that's going to matter in light of eternity? And the second one was, what have you done in the past week that will not be remembered in eternity? Those are great questions. As we think about, as we set our minds on, on our future. What have you done that's going to matter? What's, what have you done that's never going to matter? And that can just be wiped away. Or just be forgotten. So let's close your eyes and uh, let's just receive Jesus. bless our minds right now. I thank you, Jesus. You, you, you free our minds. And I pray for those with depression, those currently going through hard times. We pray a huge, huge blessing of peace. And we just say, we just say perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect peace drives out all fear. God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know the hope to which he's called you Just, we're going to just ask you just